This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. You heard a Lazarus video called me on WhatsApp. He wanted to give me a small glimpse of what goes into doing mass deliveries. In his case, it was a month's supply of food for 150 grannies and their families living in Yoga. I was overwhelmed by the busyness of the scene he showed me, with people working amidst veritable mountains of different kinds of foodstuff. Yohara is the founder and director of the NPO Fingertips of Africa, and he joins me now to tell me what he does and how he does it. Yohara, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yohara, how did you get involved in outreach work? Uh, it's always been something I've done from an early age. as uh, one of those things you just have a passion for, I believe. Um, something you're born with or ignited at, at some sort of time in your life. Uh, for me, I grew up in a very religious home, a Chabad home in Cape Town, um, one of 12 children. My parents were Shluchim there. And we always had people in and out of our home, whether it was staying with us or people that, you know, like a pace of Seder of 120 you know, whatever it was, there was always just a full home and we were always doing stuff for the community. Um, so I think that's kind of where my love for giving came from. And as life continued and I ventured, you know, towards other paths in life, my continuing to give to all types of walks of life and all types of community really just branched out. Um, and it was a, probably around, I think it's around eight or nine years ago that I started with the Joburg Gen Hospital and dealing with um, kids with cancer, kids that were dealing in the burn units, things like that, that either were left there or parents had passed away, you know, grandparents couldn't come and reach them. And I would do reflexology there and organize cooked meals and, you know, public holiday treats and things like that. And it I did that a lot on my own for a long time. And then with a lot of volunteers here and there when we did certain types of campaigns. Um, and then kind of leading towards, you know, the last, I don't know, what's the nine, 10 weeks with, um, with COVID, we basically just cannonballed overnight and turned into an empire, you know, really creating a lot of change. I, I was lying in bed and on the phone with uh, Gilana, She's one of our directors, and I said to her, like, I don't know what to do. There's so much that needs to be done in the community, but, like, what are we going to do about it? And she's like, we need to start a website. We need to start an Instagram. We need to get going. And we did. And literally within hours, people started getting in touch, and donations started coming in, and we went from 20 people a day to 10,000 overnight. And that's literally just been the last 10 weeks or so. As I mentioned in the introduction, you put together – uh, a month's supply of food for 150 grannies. How do you even know what to put in there? If this is new to you, how do you figure out quantities? What, how do you decide what goes in that pack? So I studied nutrition, um, which gives me a little bit more of a background when it comes to figuring out what value we're going to put in the hamper. You know, um, also dealing with the communities on a daily basis. Before COVID, you you grasp what their needs are fairly quickly, just by standing in the in the areas and speaking to the community. When it comes to making the pack, you need to make sure that there's protein. That's the you know first and foremost, protein, a starch, then a vegetable. Then the the rest of the items you need for sanitary, which is human needs that we all deserve. You know, cleaning products, tampons, uh, pads. 
soaps, deodorants, just certain basic products that unfortunately people just can't afford right now. Uh, and to divide it up, what I like to do is basically figure out how much do they need on average per day out of a 12 kilo bag of, of maize, for example, how many meals are we going to get out of there, you know, out of the rice? And we, we basically just go backwards according to each item we're putting in there to figure out how long it's going to last the family, depending on whether it's a family of one or four and how we basically divide up accordingly. You have a lot of different projects. You have your Alex feeding scheme, you have the homeless, you have your yoga scheme. Can you tell me about the different schemes and what, whether their needs are different? So they are, you know, um, an area like Yeovil, for example, there's a lot of foreigners and there's a lot more complication there because, you know, they don't get government assistance as much as an area like Alex would get. Um, however, they also do live in buildings and it's a lot warmer conditions. So their needs automatically, they would need food, but they don't need blankets as much as someone would need an Alex who might be South African but lives in a shack. You know, so it's, it's very... It's very different but similar in a way. You know, so the the Yobel group is generally uh, grannies and we try to deal with a lot of orphan and child-headed homes as well, through them as well. And then an area like Alex, we've got a few. We've got disabled individuals, so from the elderly that can no longer walk, but also people that are in wheelchairs, um, that might be adults in, in diapers, things like that, that... You know, the grant they're getting now has either been cut or they need to be renewed, but you can't get into the lines to get them renewed. You know, all those small things. And we're trying to figure out how we can obviously assist them at the same time. Um, And then we work into other areas, you know, we assist other cans as well um, by getting them food at, a, at cheaper prices and making sure that, you know, out in Katlehong or the Benmore can, which supports us, um Kaya sands and areas like that just to make sure that they can actually bulk up on the ingredients they're buying at a much cheaper price as well. So just each community has its own set of needs. After I spoke to you, after you did that yoga delivery, I could hear like generation in your voice. But I also know that when you're on the street, there's so much happening. There are people who are getting the food. There are people who are not getting the food. What is it like? What do you feel? What are the emotions going through you? It's hard to feel joy by feeding people. You know, it's like you, you feel a sense of reward, but it, it's a, it's, it's so hard, like feeling reward for giving someone the basic human needs. Like you should feel reward by going to your friend's house and painting their wall because they were renovating their bedroom or something. You know, like that's like, oh, I helped out a friend. It's very different from painting their room to actually feeding a community who has not been fed in weeks. So it's like there's a positive reward because you know you're doing something, but at the same time, it's a very emotional feeling, feeling like these people deserve more than what we're giving them. And not just do they deserve more, that we need to do more. So, you know, I remember driving out and I said to you, like, that was hectic and it was really intense. I had to get on top of the trailer because people were coming to me from every direction. And, I remember you, you said to me like, like something like, how, how does it feel? Does, is it not like almost frustrating? Like you were trying to get that emotion out of me. And I said, you know, like in me, in that, in that moment, there is no time to feel like, 
this is disappointment. People are coming at us from every direction and you're in COVID. Like, you have to make a plan. You jump on top of the trailer, you distance yourself from everyone, become a megaphone out of your voice, you know, pull your stomach in and then realize, okay, fine. Like right now, we can only feed 150 granny homes. We need to come back and feed this community. So we took the rest of our donation that we got from the board, you know, that was administered through the Angel Network. And we've been making sure that they get their weekly supply of food so that they can continue feeding everybody that lines up outside. We went there from feeding uh, 150 families once or for a month. We're now able to feed community, the whole community on a daily basis. So it, it, to me, it's not a disappointment. It's just what do we do next is kind of what goes through my mind. Do you work with hot foods? Do you do you really cook meals as well, or do you only do um, hampers? No, we we do hampers um, as well on the side. We call, you know, our main focus is our soup kitchens. We feel that we can reach a larger variety um, of people and also a larger demographic with our kitchens. Some kitchens feed up to 1,500 meals per day. What we find is that sometimes when we do hampers, hampers do also items get sold and it becomes a little complex, but there is still a need for it as well. You know, so far to date, we've done about six 6,500 hampers and we're looking to partner with another group to do another 2,000 hampers in the next week or so. Um, but at the same time, our hot meals, which are around 10,000 meals a day, those are divided up across different kitchens. And we establish them up, making sure they've got pots um, and obviously gas every day, the stove, and then all the ingredients that they need to cover the cooking for each meal per day. And we try our best to make sure that we allocate two meals a day so that there's either um, pup, so not pup, porridge or bread in the morning with tea. When there's a kid's kitchen, it's like rooibos tea with milk and sugar. Or for an adult kitchen, it will be coffee or tea as well with the breakfast. And then a hot lunch as well, whether it's um, beans, samp, we have meat stews, chicken stews. Um, we do a whole variety with rice and pup and bread, and we just variate as much as possible. And then we also make sure that there's fruits and vegetables with each meal as much as possible, also depending, obviously, on the types of donations we get. The logistics must be incredible to deal with. Do you have help? Um, how many people do you have helping you? We we have an incredible team. We've got an incredible team behind the scenes. Um, some of them don't like to be mentioned, so I'm going to leave it at that. But they they help me guide when it comes to like what are we going to do and where we're going to spend our finances and how we're going to work a project. And then we've got an incredible team that work inside our offices. Um, at first, I thought we could even do an, an in a walk around, but I didn't realize this is radio. But um, to give you a bit of a vision, when you walk into our offices, as you walk in, we've got our storeroom of, of food, which we use to pack the hampers, and also on the other side of the room where we use to pack for the kitchens, which come in daily to collect the food. Remember, a lot of the kitchens don't have – there's no way to have a storeroom because you cook for 500 kids, but it's out of your – in this room as well. In the middle, we have where our guys pack. We have about six volunteers that come from – Alex every day, we collect them, we bring them, we have lunch and, and tea, and then they assist us with packaging, 
We have a blanket factory on the one side where we make for different communities and, you know, we actually giving employment to these ladies and teaching them a skill. We have Gina Mandelovitz who comes in every day and, and teaches different ladies how to sew, you know, different techniques to make masks and blankets. And we then able to put that back into the community by selling those blankets and using the profits to pay these ladies a salary. The work you do is absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm dumbfounded by the amount that you get done and the energy you have to do it and the organization that goes into it. If anybody would like to be part of your team or contribute, what should they do, Yehuda? So they can contact us on any of our social medias, uh, whether that's Instagram, Fingertips of Africa, whether that is um, on our website, fingertipsofafrica.org, or on our Facebook page. You can just type in Fingertips of Africa. On all of those platforms, there's a way to send an email uh, for people to get in touch with us if they've got ideas of different projects they want to try and launch. Um, or if they need assistance from us and see how we can assist with them, then obviously we will. Things, more things that people can do is mix and match socks that you might have in your home, you know, um, jerseys that might have a hole. We've got our sewing ladies, and they're eager to fix them. Even socks, we've been fixing socks that have holes in them so we can get it out to the community. Empty Tupperwares, yogurt containers, anything like that can either be used for dividing up food or also in the soup kitchen for people to collect their hot meals. And then we are doing this. Father's Day, we're going to be launching later today a Father's Day campaign where it's 60 rand a blanket. You will then get a card to hand over to your dad with a message. And for each 60 rand you donate, obviously we'll, we'll, um, contribute towards a blanket that we will have our ladies making up and handing out on Father's Day to men and children. Incredible. You gotta keep up the amazing work that you do and, uh, well done. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us on it. Really appreciate it.